Ladies and gentlemen, the Conservative Daily Podcast returns. And now your hosts, Max McGuire and Joe Altman. Welcome back to the second hour of the Conservative Daily Podcast brought to you by Air Medicare Network. Air Medicare Network, the premier insurance plan if you want to cover yourself, your household, should disaster strike and you need to be airlifted to a hospital. We've had a lot of people message in, call in, and tell us stories about how much it's cost them and their loved ones just to be airlifted from one town to another. And we're not even talking about having to be rescued from the mountains or in the desert. These people lived in the suburbs and and disaster strike during rush hour and they couldn't get to a hospital. So they had to be airlifted. They said it costs upwards of 60 grand in one case. That's insane. Money shouldn't be an issue when lives are at stake, but after the lives are saved, trust me, the money becomes a very quick issue. Doesn't have to be that way. Sign up with Air Medicare Network, and for $85, you'll get coverage for your entire household for one year. Less if you're a senior citizen, less if you buy three or five years at a time. If disaster strikes, you need to be airlifted. You won't pay a cent if you fly with an AMCN provider. So again, go to airmedcarenetwork.com and use promo code daily, and you'll get an extra $50 back in the form of an e-gift card, depending on what plan you get. So again, that's airmedcarenetwork.com forward slash daily and use promo code daily to get up to $50 back. All right, Joe, why don't you uh, introduce our guest for the hour? All right. I'm going to go ahead and bring What's the second hour, second, second episode. Yeah. Well, let me, let me introduce him first and then we'll bring him on. So I met Theo last year at the Capitol Um, working on medical freedom, vaccine freedom. And we hung out one night and just had a conversation about who we are um, as people. So uh, Theo is a founding member of the Denver Slam Nuba team. Um, So winners of the National Poetry Slam, the world's largest slam poetry event. Um, He he began his speaking career with the NAACP at the age of 15 and has always had a passion for social justice. Um, he did attend Florida A&M University, and he attained a BA in theater performance. He did return to Denver and is now the executive director of Shop Talk Live, an organization that uses the barbershop as a staging ground for community dialogue and healing. Um, after a viral video began in 2015, he grew his social media influence, and due to audience demand, he published his first book in 2017, The Law of Action. Um, he also has a TED Talk entitled A Black Man Goes Undercover in the Alt-Right, um, which has been seen by 12, 15 million people around the U.S. So Theo is, uh, one of the things that we're going to be discussing is, discussing is, coincidentally, the echo chambers um, and, that are created and medical freedom. And we will have some differences of opinion here on the show. And if you're uncomfortable with that, I can't help you. I can't help you. But I will tell you that Theo is a, is a very intelligent man. He's very passionate about people. And um, I, I, I want to welcome Theo to the show. Theo. Good brother, Joe. How are you, sir? I'm good, brother. How are you? Good. Max, nice to meet you, my, brand, my brother. Nice How you to doing? meet you. I, man. Pretty good. Pretty good. So you guys look great, man. So you look great, but you always look great. I was looking that, forward sir. to hearing you speak on Saturday and I'm, I'm, or I know, man. Yeah. But they, they dragged their feet a little bit at the arise tour. They sure did. It would have been good for people there to hear your perspective on things. So I, 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 pref- I prefaced this, this interview and I've been trying to get you on for some time now. 
Mm -hmm. in that we have differences, you and I. Yeah. But we probably agree on more things if we sat down and dug into it than most would say. Right. I was surprised how much we did agree on, bro. And I think it's just a different approach, but not of outcome. I think we want a lot of the same things, my man. Yeah. And uh, it's just about how we've been kind of conditioned to get there. But that's why you had the conversations. Yeah. And and I come from a different background. You know that. So my dad's black. Mm -hmm. My mom's white. My whole family's interracial. And we sat mm -hmm. and had a couple drinks and played a little pool um, mm -hmm. at, at my place uh, last year. And we got to talk about yeah. some of the things that we do agree on. So I want to talk about those first. Number one, you believe mm -hmm. in medical freedom. Oh, yeah. So tell us a little bit about yeah, that. Tell, tell us a little bit about um, what you've experienced, what you've seen in the black community that concerns you about what's happened, frankly, in our government. And by the way, the government's run by both Republicans and Democrats, and they share this thirst to uh, control and, and, and push down on us. I certainly agree. In this issue, we have to face the fact that the left is certainly much more the violator when it comes to who is in the pocket of big pharma. We have a history uh, as African folks in America of being guinea pigs when it comes to medicine. And anybody with a slight understanding of what it was like for us uh, knows and, and what it continues to, to be like uh, should know that blanket trust just has not been earned by the medical establishment. It just is one of those things where I see this gaslighting happening where they want to make it on black people's fault that we're vaccine hesitant. I said, since when, my, my, my man? Like, when you look at the fact that, like, the Tuskegee experiment, a, a lot of people refer to it. They understand it began sometime in the 40s, but they don't know how late it ended. 1972, right? So 1972, the Tuskegee experiment ends. In the book Medical Apartheid by Harriet Washington, you have case after case of medical abuse that extends past the year 2000. So from vaccine experimentation to black kids in South Central Los Angeles uh, to currently right now, you've got situations where when black women are giving birth, their mortality rates are exponentially higher than white women because nobody believes that they're in pain. When my own wife gave birth to our daughter, I had to commandeer the ship because they were trying to steer her to an unnecessary C-section that was just simply misinformed no communication going on between medical staff. And we I only commandeered the ship after they misdiagnosed her condition called cholestasis, threatening us with stillbirth and all these horrible things that they dangle over your head. And you, my wife is in distress. Her sister was there. This is about two weeks before the COVID lockdowns happened. And I said, listen, man, I'm daddy. I'm the protector. Let's go. And because I was able to actually handle business, my wife did not get the unnecessary uh, C-section. But the point is, there's no faith if you really understand your history in the black community. And when this COVID vaccine started getting pushed, we noticed that everybody on the advertisements was black. They got a black arm out here, a black arm out there trying to make sure that this shot gets put into us. And those of us who are conscientious was like, nah, you don't just get to experiment with our bodies because we have a sudden state of emergency. You haven't earned it. Well, and what's interesting about what you just said is that you haven't earned our trust, and yeah. I, and I, and, I, and I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about something related to that specifically, and that is the preying on the black community in inner cities specifically, and making them the guinea pigs unknowingly, the guinea oh, pigs yeah. 
of not just this vaccine, but others. And, I, and oh, yeah. we, can't, we can't talk about the correlation between the vaccines that have happened in the past and, say, autism, because, frankly, Facebook will take us down. And this is a, this is a platform. I want people to hear this message. I want them to hear this dialogue. But you, it's undeniable that mm. in the black community, specifically the black community, there is no voice, even if you are vaccine injured, even if even if you do, you don't feel like when you go to the doctor that you're you have informed consent. They they just say, hey, you got to you got to get this vaccine. Right. That, and, right. and so they say, well, I, I got to I guess I have to have this vaccine. And then something happens. And it's only at right. that point that they realize that they have been used as a as a guinea pig in that environment. It's it's scary. It's scary. And something that, by the way, in my family, we've we've faced and, and Max has faced as well. Yeah, I, I, I believe you. Listen, man, I was wondering why there was no flag memorial for the 440,000 people killed annually by medical mistakes like there was for the flag for, for the people who had fallen from uh, COVID-19. Now, we can talk about how they crunched those numbers in a different podcast. But what I feel is that it was completely obvious of the um, the, the, the evidence of, of agenda was everywhere by what questions you could and could not ask. And um, I lost a family member to COVID. He, uh, my, my uncle, Mike, um, he, he just, he, he had pneumonia and they said that COVID was the thing that kicked him over the edge. Um, we could not go to his funeral. Uh, we, we, we could not say goodbye. And as awful as that was, I've lost even more family members to medical mistakes. These are the facts of my lived, ex lived experience, right? Uh, cousin Victor died because a hip replacement had a bad mesh in it. Two months after his funeral, I see that damn thing on one of those recall commercials. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. If you receive, call now. You know what I'm yeah. saying? I was like, yo, that's what Cousin Victor had. My grandma, Ag, she ended up, uh, her doctor changed her blood, pre uh, her blood pressure medication, thinned it out. She died using medicine as prescribed. And so these are the funerals that I've been to. I've literally had double the deaths in my family from medical mistakes as I've had for COVID-19, and I got questions. Yeah. So you're spot on when you talk about the Tuskegee ex experiments, the syphilis experiments, where they're basically yeah. giving black people syphilis to see what happened. Yeah. And yeah. absolutely, anyone who knows that, sto that story, um, if you're African-American, mm -hmm. it makes complete sense to have be hesitant anytime the government says, hey, Let's let's why don't you take this pill? Why don't you take this injection? Um, right. I, I completely get that. I also, though, believe that firmly that I, I'm, a, I'm against the whole concept of sins of the father. Right. You, you mentioned that it happened in 1940s, ended in the early 1970s. Terrible. Mm -hmm. Doesn't necessarily mean, though, and, and this obviously they're, they're completely within their it's justified to be hesitant. But the people who are doing that likely aren't still in positions of power, right? We're talking 50 plus years ago. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, so how do we go about getting around that hesitancy? Because it's not just about vaccines. It's a, it, I've seen the statistics, African-Americans hesitant to go to the doctor, right? Hesitant to go to, to the dentist. Like there, there's hesitant in general okay. about that. And the thing I always hear is about the Tuskegee experiments, which is completely valid. But how do we how do we get beyond that? Because as horrible as that is, we see things, we see different ailments that plague the black community 
um, that could be that could be fixed with by people regularly going to the doctor. How do we get around that legitimate hesitancy and, and get people to trust going to the doctor again? So, Thea, I'm going to let you answer this, but I want to add this. It's not 1940 to 1970. It's not 1940 to 1970. My little brother and little sister, when my mother went to the doctor, both of them, the doctor said, would be born with major uh, malformities and they needed to abort both babies. It was a lie. It was a lie. Both my brother and my sister were not born with any mal uh, uh, malformities at all. There was nothing wrong with them at all. Nothing. And yet the doctors tried to get my mother to abort my brother and sister at the time that she was pregnant. So, so this, no, was, there, there's some stuff that's happening in the medical experiments. I'm talking about the oh, medical hesitancy and uh, among, and, and look, I, I consider myself a part of the black community. Theo, you and I have talked about this um, from my family standpoint, but the things that, that Max, you'll never experience, I experienced it. And those experiences are even different than what Theo's experienced. Based on that's why I'm asking the question. I'm, I'm asking that question, yeah, yeah. trying to get to get educated on it. How do we go about that? Mm -hmm. Because as legitimate as it is to say, "Oh, look what they did in the '40s up to '72," that's terrible, and it is right. Mm -hmm. We have to get yeah, beyond well, I mean, that because those those doctors aren't the ones at the doctor's office today. When the sins of the father are taught to the son, they become the sins of the son, and the habits of medicine haven't been broken. The culture of medicine, when it comes to the presumptions about the black body, into recently, and I'm talking about these are medical students, so now we're talking about the future of medicine, where they did a survey of medical students, uh, what was this, five, six years ago? 2013. Where, yeah, yeah, well, they, they literally thought black people felt pain at a lesser degree. You see what I'm saying? Uh, what's happening to vaccines, uh, vaccine-injured black boys, uh, them, them in denial of the race effect when it comes to our immune systems having a different response is not 1970. It's this year, you know, and if we don't stop this habit, when it, we talk about the institutional practices, practices uh, extend beyond individuals. The practices of that institution when it comes to medicine uh, are still completely affecting the lives of folks. So when I, you, you know, up into the birth of my child, and she's 15 months old, right? Like my wife gave birth on February 28th, 2020. So I saw negligence uh, up until this decade, the 2020s. So I think that that's what, 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 what becomes the thing that we're fighting against. And uh, that's what we're asking help for folks to recognize. When I was pushing for the bill, and a lot of people don't know this, I'm, 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 I, I, I was championing rights for your audience as well. Uh, which was, uh, this was HB, uh, God, even now, it, it, it escapes me, but can you believe that? It's only been two weeks since, since this bill failed, along party lines, by the way. Just making it illegal for them to force people to get vaccines if they don't want them. Yeah. Making, them, making it illegal to leverage someone's livelihood for them to participate in experiments. You know, one of the things that Joe and I talked about when we, when we hung out was, this is a cruel, cruel thing, where you would hold the world captive and say, you want your life back? I want a drop of blood. And I want to put this thing in your body. And now you become a controlled substance that we get to, you know, like basically monetize, right? Uh, that's cruelty. You know, the, the, the mental health effects are absurdly out of proportion to what they used to be. And this was not already a mentally healthy country. So this is what we're dealing with. It's the practice that extends today. 
and what these folks can get away with if they don't if they are not met with resistance, which is why, though I disagree with conservatives on many issues, I'm happy that you're my allies on this issue for real. I'm wondering how many more issues we can get close to, because one of the things you told me when I saw you on Sunday surprised me. I went like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I went, what? Tell him, tell him. Go, 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 go. Oh. Tell him, tell him, tell him. <laughs> you walked away from the Democrat Party. Hell yeah. I walked away from the Dems, man. I can't do it. Um, and part of the reason is because I know them personally. That when I first brought my bill to make uh, uh, mandatory vaccines illegal, uh, specific mandatory COVID vaccines illegal. Uh, we, we call this CINDA, uh, COVID Immunity Non-Discrimination Act. I'm going to call it CINDA from now on. So I first presented CINDA to Democrats, a Democrat specifically, and he will not be named because we're still cool on a personal level, who I know, who I know doesn't get his kids vaccinated. I know for a fact, you know what I'm saying? Uh, he's black and he is somebody who I, I have a great affinity with because he used to attend my shop talks that I hold uh, in, in, in the black community for, for, for community dialogues, right? So I know his personal stances. There were other Democrats that I reached out to and when no Democrats, black Democrats, who I know on a personal level share my concerns that we just talked about, would not respond to my requests for, for them to at least sponsor or co-sponsor my bill, I had to go to Republicans. I didn't wanna go to the Republicans. That's not, that wasn't my, uh, my, my, my predilection. But when I went to the Republicans, I found a champion. And the fact is, is that there were Democrats pushing these vaccines on the people, black Democrats specifically, that I know were knocked on their behinds because of the COVID vaccine. I'm talking about hospitalized. I'm talking about like with fatigue, right? There is a pastor who I know, rest his soul, he is a cool brother, who uses church as a vaccination site and he died from the vaccine. He's dead. This is not a game. If you look at the VARES report, now people are questioning, well, you can't really trust when VARES says it's a death. Why y'all mincing numbers now? We This is the only tracking system that, that we have. If you look at the VARES reports, this is the deadliest vaccine that has ever been released on the public by far, by 20,000%. And when the Dems couldn't stand up for that? No. Well, let me ask you this question. Now, now I'm going to ask you another question that's loaded. You ready? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, bro. If, the, if this Democrat leader, who you know does not vaccinate his kids, will not champion your cause, then what else are the Democrats lying to the black community about? What other have- paradigm shifts are going to come? From, from this unlikely alignment that you've created. I just painted you into a box there for a little bit. I wanna see how you get out oh, of it. Oh no, man, you call me Houdini, <laughs> I can figure this one out. Um, so there are certain things that the Democratic uh, establishment in general is being challenged on by the black community. Uh, so there's the black folks who have the microphone and there's the black folks who don't have the microphone, bro. Yeah. And the black folks who have the microphone are uh, painting the ways in which black folks uh, are perceived by people who are not black more than the ones who are actually existing on the ground. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Um, There are what I would call culturally conservative movements in the black community that are actually about conserving our African side of our culture. 
And they have big problems, big time smoke with the Democrats, right? Street brothers have a hard time with Democrats specifically. And I can tell you from like my homies who've been locked up, they was ready to go Democrat until their choice of lead candidate. So when my partner, we're going to call him Keezy, Keezy did time. Keezy is a former gangster who's getting active, right? He wants to participate in the political process. But when Keezy says, you put my enslaver as the candidate, as the, uh, as the main candidate for, for my party, he becomes part of that voice that challenges the Democrats. So then conservatives be like, oh, well, black people always vote Democrat slavishly because they've been brainwashed. Listen, we've been out thinking these cats for a while. We understand that there's not a lot that like they talk our talk. Believe me, they talk our talk. But when the shoe hits the ground, they don't walk our walk. And that's one of the things that like there there's a paradigm shift in the black community as evidenced by the number of black people who voted for Trump this time. They didn't vote because they like mostly. They voted because how you going to put Kamala Harris and Joe Biden up with their history of mass incarceration? Yeah. I just got out. My partner and them just got out. So had like the Democrats chosen like a Bernie Sanders or like, you know, Klobuchar or something like that. You wouldn't have had that. It was their choice of Biden. Well, it was also honestly, the choice of four years of economic increase and opportunity for the black and the Hispanic community. I mean, you have to admit, and over the last four we, years, and that's it was, where we'll that's where we'll de- debate when it comes to the origins of that. But I feel like ah, um, here we go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, Theo, Theo, you met you mentioned a second ago about the sins of the father being taught to the son. Yes, sir. Do you think that the Democrat Party is systemically racist? I think that systemic racism is a part of the American fabric, and a lot of people don't like to hear that, but I think that it's about how it manifests, how it manifests. So for example, in the Democratic Party, their systemic racism manifests in the facts that, like, um, number one, let's just go with the obvious big pharma, not facing the fact that, like, Pharmaceutical companies have been caught sending different forms of the same vaccine to different communities by zip code. We got them on that. Like they talk about that in medical apartheid. Right. When we talk about the fact that there's these black Democratic run uh, cities um, that literally behind the scenes, we're going to talk about this here in, in Colorado. Right. Montbello Green Valley Ranch had a 56 percent foreclosure rate. Because the corporation behind them, which I won't mention, but the corporation that owned most of the mortgages were actually having these rule 120 hearings evicting these black folks out of their houses, but they put a black Democrat face up. And so the white activists who were like, yo, please stop evicting these poor people. I don't care what color they are. Challenge these black elected officials. They got called racist. Wait, hold on a second. Time out. I want to stop you there because I want to ask you this question. Because yeah. something beca- is becoming a, a theme here, and that is, I don't care what color they are, these conservatives are standing up while these Democrats are doing harm to the black community. I just want to. I just want to. I just want to talk about that part right there. I mean, yeah. I almost got you all the way to Republican. Although I think the GOP is trash too. So I think they both of them are trashy, and I think in the middle we get marginalized. Most of us get marginalized. I talk a lot about that on the show. 
Well, do, do you think the Democrats as a system, as a system, as a closed system, Democrats, the superdelegates, right, picking the candidates, right? You, have, you, have, you talk about Joe Biden, the guy who was behind the crime bill. He gave a eulogy mm -hmm. at Robert Byrd's funeral. Robert Byrd was a Klan leader, right? Mm -hmm. Do you think, can, can you possibly even entertain the idea of the Democrat Party not being just racist at its core? I mean, at, at some point, they have to they have to break from that mold. I, I just don't see them breaking from it. Do you think that the Democrat Party taking apart all the other systems, because we probably won't agree on other systems, mm -hmm. whether it be policing or, or education mm -hmm. or any of the other yeah. systems that are accused of being racist. Do you think that the Democrats as a closed system, the Democrat Party is structurally racist? I think they do have structural racism at their core, no more than the conservatives or, or the Republicans. Like I said, it just shows up differently. It shows up differently. The American political system, number one, wasn't built for us to participate. And when we finally did participate, it didn't necessarily adjust to our needs because our needs required a different component. And that was an economic and cultural component that politics like to play the symbolism game with. So the problem with the Democrats is they'll talk our language. You have Joe Biden eulogizing the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa massacre, Black Wall Street. I frankly didn't see anything remotely close to that. How about the eulogy Donald for Trump. the Grand Master of the yeah. KKK? He did that too. Yeah, right, right, right. right. So, so How about Kamala Harris, 23, 23 cents an hour for wages keeping over 10,000? Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, 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 um, I have made videos, and these are such good historical time capsules, dismantling all of these Democrats, when long before they were actually the nominee. So it wasn't political expediency. I was speaking my honest uh, to, to God truth uh, and my, 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 my open mind about that. So what I feel is necessary to understand about the Democrats is their racism. I'll tell you, we're going to get to the conservatives in a minute. But uh, what's this, the Republicans in, in, in a minute, right? Because we, we made the distinction. But how it shows up is we'll talk your talk, but we won't walk the walk. See well, what I'm saying? Well, and that, that manifests in that. Well, that, that manifests in what they say, how they talk. I mean, we'll talk about Hillary Clinton. It just brought up, goes down and talks to oh, yeah. a yeah, Southern beauty and, and pulls in a draw. Sauce. Pulls in the draw. Oh, yeah. Yo, black Twitter went crazy. What about the hot sauce in the back? Oh. Well, black Twitter went crazy over the hot sauce in my bag swag situation. Like, she was talking to Charlemagne the God of the Breakfast Club, and he was like, You're opening, she he was like, You're openly pandering to black people. Your parent. And she was like, Is it well, working? Are you buying it? And I'm like, Hillary, stop. That, but that's the point. Yes. That's what the Democrats do. Theo, my I problem with the Democrat Party is that they are every okay. say everything they say they're fighting against, and they are they see a little bit of opportunity and they want to steal it. They want to steal it from minority communities. They want to confuse them, daze them, create chaos, and divide them. It's, it's like segregation all over again. Well, Malcolm I, X I talked it. about this. Malcolm X talked about the white liberals specifically because it was the 60s and that's the language that he used, right? And so he referred to them as the fox. The fox is a smaller dog and he's clever. He'll come at you bearing his teeth and you think he's smiling. In that same breath, Malcolm X talked about the conservative, who he referred to as the wolf. And at that time, the conservatives were Democrats. At that time, the conservatives were Democrats. I don't agree. They called them the Dixiecrats. 
right? When you, we, we, you I mean, uh, what's his name? Uh, LBJ was a Dixiecrat. You know, behind closed doors, though he signed the civil rights bill, he was one of the most racist guys in, in recent history since Andrew Jackson, right? And so we know this about the Democratic Party. At the same time, they've made more way for um, our presence physically. Our presence is like the this last RNC was the blackest RNC I ever seen. I ain't never seen that many black people in the RNC ever before that. So when Mitt Romney was running, when John McCain was running, people noticed the crowd doesn't look nothing like it is a hospitable, hospitable environment for a black person. And so we understand that the racism is part of the political establishment because of its ability to play symbolism. It's the tokenism, it's the symbolism which frankly the Democrats play better, and that's not a positive thing, by the way. The Democrats play better than the Republicans. Um, our problem with the Republicans is that when people- I'm glad, it, I'm the, glad you had to wait a second to say that, because that means you have to search for a problem with the conservatives. No, 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 no. I'm figuring out how to say it. <laughs> I'm figuring out how, how, how to say it because I'm going to. And, I, and I, I, I love you as a brother, but I got to say the truth as I see it. <sighs> January 6th, we seen a big Confederate flag right in the middle of the White House. Yeah. Big old Confederate flag. Okay. Right in the middle of the freaking White House, right? Hey, look, I grew, I grew up in the D.C. area, by the way, and let me tell you something. Yeah. Everyone that I know, black and white, has a Confederate flag. Black and white. Go to the D.C. area. I grew up there. I'm going to tell you Man, right now. I, I know people from the D.C. area, they ain't got no Confederate flag. I, pro so, I promise you to this day, nah. to this day in D.C., there Many, many people have the Confederate flag. Okay, go ahead. Let, let, let me finish my, 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 my point, right? He is allowed to walk around, right? He is a part of the thing. Now, the Confederate flag is a Democrat flag, Wait, by the who, way. Who, who, are we, who, are we talking, who are we talking about specifically? Trump? During uh, His name was Kevin something. Uh, it was oh. during the Capitol. Uh, uh, oh, the guy with and, the Confederate flag. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? I thought because you mentioned the White House. I thought you were talking about Trump. Keep going. Yeah, 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 yeah. So on so on one six, he walks in there. And I, I use him as example to say this. Had he been carrying a Black Lives Matter flag, he would have had his behind beat. The Confederate flag to black folks is similar to the swastika for Jewish folks. For those of us who are the orientation where I come from. And I know you're shaking your head. <laughs> I hey, look, brother, I'm telling you. Seriously, for those of us who, um, and I'm talking about the very same people who would fight for medical freedom in the black community, don't want nothing to do with the Confederate flag. When we talk about, um, you know, the Department of Justice tracks hate crime spiking with Trump's presidency. Right. When we talk about the fact that like there Smollett, are people there, like the smell, huh? like the smell. Now, Smollett no. was ashamed of the black community and don't even mention him because we don't like him. <laughs> hey, we listen, like him. Well, you want to talk about one guy that no, hold a, no, no, held no, up no. a Confederate flag. And I'm talking about the one guy that yeah. they had to find that was, you know, baiting both don't homophobia let, and racism all at the same time. I love how Dave Chappelle <laughs> handled. I, I love, love Dave Chappelle. Dave Chappelle Handle handle Justice Smollett. Let, let me just say, Dave Chappelle, black comic <laughs> extraordinaire, handled Jesse Smollett so geniusly, and he puts it in perspective. At at some point, you got to question whether white guys in Chicago 
why are you in that part of Chicago, number one, yeah. at 2 a.m., beating up a black it's dude? negative 10 degrees. Right, right, <laughs> negative 10 degrees. What are you doing going to Subway, brother? Like, Who like, buys so, rope? So, right. <laughs> right. Who buys rope? rope? Keeps it we, and bleach. So, so, and bleach. Right, and we we don't. He's not our boy. Don't you bring hey, him up? He's hey, neither are, neither are the racists on the on the right or the left. They're not my boy either. That's my point. You talk about the Confederate ahead, flag. Like mm -hmm. I don't own. I, I don't personally. People who fly the Confederate flag, I don't care. I don't care. I don't like when when you describe that protest as Confederate flags. Right. I wouldn't try and lump you with BLM protesters who are chanting out uh, pigs in a blanket crime like bacon. Right? Yeah, you, you, know, you know what I mean? Right? And, 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 and that's that's the one I can use without having to put an explicit label when this podcast goes up on Apple Podcasts because there's a lot of other ones. ACAB, there's a lot of other ones which are, are inflammatory, in, in my opinion, much more inflammatory and, and aggressive than someone flying a Confederate flag. So I wouldn't I wouldn't ascribe you with those people, but I, I feel like with January 1st, there were a couple of people with Confederate flags. There were 100,000 people there, and they're all getting lumped in with the people with Confederate flags, right? So gotcha. I think it's an it's unfair so, comparison because there's right. crazies everywhere. I will... Uh, all right, what? I, I will say this. No, no, I finish finish your thought, Theo. Finish your th thought, sorry. Okay, cool. What we're saying with the conservative or... Um, uh, Republicans is this. Uh, there are some assumptions about black people that close your heart to what we're trying to say. And I've seen them when I've tuned into right wing podcasts. One of the assumptions is like that the, like a this lazy, one. Because, uh, you know, I would I've say I would it. never I would never call anybody. I, I, lazy. I, I, I ain't never yeah. heard that from, from you, Joe, or, or we yeah. wouldn't be cool. All right. Um, the lazy welfare queen. um wanting a handout. The fact is, is that like, there's a bigger push for black owned businesses in the black community than there's ever been. Yeah. We are questioning the welfare state. We're questioning mass incarceration. But when people come through and say black people, all they want is a handout. I hear that happening again and again in conservative spaces. And that's just well, not the reality on the ground. What are reparations then? Cause that's what we hear. We hear reparations. Reparations feels right. like the biggest handout there is because it's giving money to people who were never slaves and taking it from people who were never slaveholders. So what? how would you classify reparations other than just demanding a handout? Right. So when you break somebody's leg, you can apologize, but it take a while for that damn thing to heal, don't it? Reparations, yeah. when we talk about it, comes from the fact that every reparations case that's ever been settled in favor of those injured have moral grounds that are not even close to as tall as the moral grounds that black folks are talking about their injuries according to international law america's treatment of black folks has met every single nuremberg standard of genocide every last one will you read medical apartheid that is a litany of cases alone right and so what happens is in a capitalist society Right. So we have a situation by which we are one tenth of wealth. You know that wealth takes generations to accrue. You understand that right now, as Forbes estimates it, the black community is set to have zero net worth by the year 2056 after the pandemic that got moved forward to 2048. And you can't compete. You just can't compete.
I never pick cotton. You never whip nobody. Both of these things are objectively true. And I know white people who could not bring themselves to even think of abusing somebody for profit. But the fact is, slavery is a 100% tax on labor. My ancestors did it, and somebody got the money from it. Yeah, but the, problem, the, but the problem is less, less than 3% of the people in this country ever had slaves and owned slaves. Less than yeah. 3%. Less than 3%. Kamala, Kamala Harris, by the way, her parents mm -hmm. were, her, her, her ancestors were slave owners, right? Oh, so, yeah. I mean, I bet, we're, we're, I bet you some of mine were too. <laughs> and, and by the way, of the of the the three percent of the people in this country that own slaves, right? About thirteen percent of those were blacks that owned slaves who were also black. Something to be aware. I like be to aware. address that as well. And so here's so here's where things get a little confusing with that statistic. Let's say that you got a white immigrant family just came over from Poland, ain't got nothing to do with no slavery, ain't never owned nobody. Right. They get their loan for their business from a bank. But what you don't know is that that bank holds slaves as credit assets. Yep. There's a great book I'd like everybody to read called The Half Has Never Been Told. And The Half Has Never Been Told goes into fact that the accumulated value of every enslaved African on this continent was the most valuable asset over mines, over shipping, over cotton itself. And the banks leveraged that credit to lend out, and it was a whites-only lending policy to everybody in the white American community. Yep. Didn't matter if you were a brand new immigrant or anything like that. So that's blood money in and of itself. So what we're saying is that institutionally, we know the institutions because the people have died. Institutions still exist, right? Almost all of the Ivy League schools, almost all of them can trace their holdings to owning slaves. You have a situation where Chase Manhattan Bank, Wachovia, Wells Fargo. I don't do business assets. with any of those. I do business with none right, of them. Right. So, I, I so you're right. Them, but, but. You're right. You're right with all of that. But if you go to a Ivy League school right now, it is easier for an African American to get in than an, an, a white kid to get in if they have identical scores. It's easier for an African American to get accepted with lower scores than a white person. So uh, you, you go to a bank, you, you go to one of those banks that you mentioned, there are programs in place right now that, where only black applicants can apply for certain minority loans. You, you go through the, the Biden administration. If you're if you want to farm and you're an African-American farmer, the Biden administration wants to give them money and not give it to white farmers. So I, I get what you're saying, that you can trace everything back. But given the fact that in all of the institutions that you can name, there are already programs in place to try and rectify previous wrongs. Looking at me and saying that there's blood money in my bank account, I take offense to it yes, because I am too. not the debtor. <laughs> well, it, well, yeah, you're if but, you. If, you believe you're owed a debt then there must be a debtor you have to be able to identify the debtor i will never be your debtor i, I am irish and native american i my family does not cannot trace this back to any slaves right there has to be a debtor so you have to identify the debtor if you identify people who quite literally do not owe black people a cent in debt they get a little aggravated and and i think it's well, quite fitting that with reparations we never hear reparations being talked about. Oh, the British owe us some amounts of money or or Africans from West Africa who are actually calf, catching other Africans and loading them onto the boats. Why are there no talk of reparations with West Africa or England or any of these other countries? It's always the United that. States. OK, be quiet for a yeah. second, Max. I want to hear this. Go ahead. Don't tell yeah. me to be quiet. I'm asking questions. Oh, and, and yo, brother, you know, I never mean no disrespect for any of that. And, and I'm sure Joe didn't mean any disrespect either. I would like to answer each and every last one of those in reverse. Let's talk about West Africa. 
Uh, the Ashanti Kingdom specifically uh, was very much known for their enslaving. Uh, you have the Ashanti Anglo War, uh, which of course, due to superior firepower, Britain won. And every West African king that enriched themselves off of enslaving other Africans ended up having their wealth taken by colonization, every last one. And this is evidenced by the fact that Africa is the poorest continent on the planet, even though it's the most resource and mentally rich. A lot of that, and you know, my, my, my wife is African, and I study specifically Ghana, which is where most of my DNA comes from. Still, still slavery so, coming from Ghana. Just so you know, there's still slavery yeah, 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 that exists yeah, yeah, in yeah. Ghana today, just so we're clear. Yeah, yeah we, 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 listen, uh, specifically Libya also has a, has a bad slave problem. Sexual slavery is still a thing. Um, and, and so a thousand years before whites got there, the Arabs had that practice going. Thousand years, right? We talk about the trans-Saharan slave trade, but the but the African entities that participated in the slave trade were robbed and sucked dry of their wealth by colonization. The next so part let me jump in. So no, let him finish. If, if let I'm, him finish. If I'm let a him debtor, finish. I just want, I, I want to ask before we get too far away. If I'm a debtor, because I'm I'm I owe reparations to the African American community. If I declare bankruptcy, am I no longer a debtor? Because you're saying that West Africa doesn't owe the African American community anything because they lost everything through colonization. So how do you look a white person in the eye who's living in a trailer in eight mile in outside Detroit who has literally nothing, right? They, they are paycheck to paycheck. How do you look that white person in the eye who cannot trace their lineage back to any slaveholders whatsoever and say they owe a debt to anyone when they're, they're, they're literally one penny away from bankruptcy? If, if that's the logic that it, they, yes, they did terrible things, but they lost everything. So now that's absolved. Well, how can you look at around the country and just say, based on the pigmentation of your skin, you either do or do not get money from the government? I just I don't I don't say I understand why. I mean, you're making the argument that we can't go to West Africa, to get money because they don't have the money to give. I get that. But if that's the logic, then there's no never going to be reparations here because it's not that clean. Right. It's, it's not that clean. We can just say, oh, well, that family's always been rich. There's a lot of people who own slaves what? and then lost everything. Which is why you don't go to individuals. You you don't go to the guy who's poor as shit. You know, sorry, I no, I can't cuss. Uh, no, that's all right. We'll cut it out. We'll just beep you. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't go to that guy. That guy don't have nothing, right? The Scots Irish who came over here uh, came over here as grunts and indentured servants, man. You know, I'm under no illusions about any of that. So to answer your question, it's the institutions, it's the actual banking establishments. It's these things that you say have offered programs, right? And so what we do is we expand those programs. When you talk about land, when you talk about doing it in a way that is resource accumulative effective, right? Uh, a great quote from one of my elders said, if you stab a knife into my back, nine inches, pulling it out six inches ain't healing. Taking the knife out ain't healing. Healing only begins when you begin to stitch up the wound. And the problem is folks won't even acknowledge that the knife is there. If racism was race specific, that means so was the injury from race. And therefore, repairing that injury must also be race specific. And what happens is when you do that, right? For example, right after Lincoln gets killed, Andrew Johnson takes his program. Because Lincoln had a program, right? Some of them got shipped to Liberia, which is a whole crazy experiment, right? But some of them, the, the program Lincoln set up was, we got this farmland, that's fertile farmland, the 40 acres and a mule situation. Let's put the black folks over there because we know that what's been done to them is wrong. 
And Johnson, after Lincoln gets killed, says, that's not fair to the whites there. Okay. Now, by that logic, who is still the most wronged by that? I get that it's not fair to the whites there, but what is to become of the Africans, especially so when... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, brother. Brother, brother, I just, just, just want to finish okay, this point. What a lot of people don't know about the reparations uh, situation in this country is that whites who lost their property due to being, uh, have their slaves emancipated, were paid reparations. They were paid reparations for loss of property. So now we know the government can pay reparations. And we know that in certain land uh, establishments when it comes to Native American territories, national parks that have now been allotted to Native Americans, it's just been ruled that half of Oklahoma is now Native American land. So we know reparations can be given for certain crimes. Right. What happened to the Jewish people after the Holocaust? We know reparations can be paid. Well, the Jewish so people, not, by the way, going back generations. I mean, it's biblical. You go back right, two thousand right, years, right. and Jews have been have been slaves. Israel so have kind of like 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 Israel in and of itself is kind of a reparations payment. Number one, because that land belonged to Britain beforehand, right? That land but, but belonged to Britain before. So, I'm like, what do you do to the Jews after they've been dispossessed and holocausted? Well, well it was actually it was actually a carve out of multiple countries at the time. Right, so right, right. But 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 still, Britain Britain had all of that, right? There is a reparations movement right now in the Caribbean, talking about reparations for the wrongs has been done by Britain, as well as in the African Union, seeking specifically the Congo, specifically the Congo, uh, for for Belgium for what was done under Leopold. So that movement is actually wow. there. Leopold was terrible. What he, what he yeah, did with, I the mean, rubber, he, with the rubber industry is yeah, terrible. Right. So, so I'm, I'm going to sum this up here because I know I've been talking for a long damn time. Based on every reparation settlement that's been paid in real time with real assets, the Japanese in the internment camps in the 1940s, on the moral grounds, by the international rules, all conditions are met for black people to get reparations. It's just a matter of how. And so... We understand no, that going no, to because, oh, because over 70% of the blacks that are in this country were never subject to or a part of or in the lineage of slavery in this country. And How nearly. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, where did you get that from? Because. I mean, just look we, at the vice president. We have mass migration. I'm telling you oh, that 70% or more, right? And this was a study back in 2012. That was done by. I've never heard that word. Oh, I, I will send it to you. It was done by Cornell. It was a big deal. It was, as a matter of fact, it was a part of a, a doctor's dissertation that was not accepted because they didn't want to actually publish it. They didn't want it published. Big really? deal. Yes. So it's look, I, I teach. I teach. I learn a lot. I mean, I I read everything, right? And by the way, my my great great grandfather, Middleburg, Virginia, hung by a tree. Mm, my right. my ancestors fought to free slaves right fought right good on you <laughs> so so, so and, and as you start looking at the tree of life like as you go back in history the roots of where you came from there are some inconvenient things that happened in all of our past hell yeah right i agree my brother was murdered by a police officer you know this mm. i told you this right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so terrible, do i terrible. do i hate every police officer that's out there no i don't i still back not. the blue right but but we we we, sent, we tend to live in the past, and as we live in the past, we forget about opportunity. We stymie our opportunities in the future. We stymie it. We we stop growth yeah. when we create reasons why 
And by the way, you would be a perfect Republican. I just want to be clear. <laughs> you been saying that, man. Because like, I believe in you. I believe in some of the things that we fundamentally have talked about. And as we get closer and closer together, right. you would never right. call me. You would never say, Joe, you're that conservative I'm talking about when I talk about a conservative never, that would take never. from me. Right? These are facts. And, Look, Joe, and so I'm, I'm telling you I'm that I'm not the exception. I'm sorry? Mm, I got you. Right, right. Joe, Joe, check, check it out, man. Uh, for, for the first time we hung out, I was like, all I want is reasonable people. Right? Yeah. Max, you ask reasonable questions. Ain't nothing that you ask, Max. Not reasonable. These are reasonable questions, and I'm trying to give you reasonable answers. Facts and the data to the best that I can possess them and give them forward. Right? And so this is why I'm here. I could not fall into the democratic tribalism. The tribalism that says these people are deplorables and irredeemable. I don't play that. Number one, because my ancestry DNA says I'm 17% European. So y'all are my blood and that's what it is, right? And so, um, you know, what's funny is some of y'all will be like 6% African and don't know it. But um, what I think is interesting right now is that People who identify as white, and you can't help it. It's on every job application. You're going to have some level of white identity somewhere. Because you, you, you have but to feel But you know why it's on life. there, right? You know why yeah, it's yeah, on yeah, there, right? right? Because, because, because especially in government positions, they have to have a diverse hiring pool. So right, like right, the, right. In, in government right. positions, they have someone who makes sure that there are African-Americans, that there are Asians. So they, they, they do that for diversity's sake. Um, you mentioned that you have a problem with Democrats with their tribalism, which is absolutely right. But in that comment, in that conversation about reparations, you mentioned Indian tribes. I mean, we can't we can't put tribalism apart and then and then say to back up the idea for reparations is wh what we did with Indian tribes. Right. That that we're, reparations is tribalism. It, it, it's it's the have it's who will get and who will not get. It's who will get and who okay. will not get. I mean, you're, you're talking about literal Indian tribes as a example of previous reparations, right? So if well, you yeah, look I at mean, the, the root of the conversation. So land reparations, yeah. Um, so when does it end? Because I guarantee you, if we put every African-American in Oklahoma, one, they'd be pissed. They'd be very pissed. <laughs> no one, right, no right, one right, really right, wants right. to live in Oklahoma. Everyone in, and no I don't need anything bad me. against Oklahoma. I live in Texas, so I can talk crap about Oklahoma. Yeah, um, really good no golf really in wants Oklahoma. to be in Oklahoma. I don't know what you're talking Everyone about. Everyone in Oklahoma really is golf. just looking for an opportunity to come to Texas. Some of the best golf like, courses are in Oklahoma. But when is it going to be enough? When is it going to be enough? Because I have a hard time believing that if we sent $10,000 to every single African-American in the country. I have a hard time believing that would be enough. I have a hard time believing that 20,000 would be enough. I, I think that there's still be a call for more, 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 more. And I, I don't wanna be cynical about it because I've seen, we've seen it in other forms of, of, of anti-discrimination legislation, of, of regulations, of affirmative action, right? We, we as a country have taken great strengths, whether you think it's enough or not, we have taken great strengths to not be the 1960s anymore, right? Okay. Let me put aside my, the crazies in the all right. We've too. taken, we have taken great strides. What I what I see in the reparations push is a disregard mm. over the great strides to to mm. presume that we're still in the 1960s and to demand the moon. So when it when is it enough? What would be enough for for the crime uh, that was committed against African Americans? To be sure. To figure out a way to we to be asset wealthy enough to compete in the future, that's the short 
and we have to do the math on that, but people do math to get to the moon and we figure it out. We want to figure it out. We want to figure out exactly what the details are. But we know that morally speaking and historically speaking, the grounds and the basis is there. Let's talk about the 1960s for a second. In 1963, a Gallup poll was done asking white Americans, do you think that black people have an equal foothold in America for opportunity? So white Americans were asked, are things pretty much equal in America for black people? What would you think the percentages of people in 1963 who said yes? I don't know. The, the ignorance of the public never surprises me. I, I bet it's a stupid number, like a, like a dumb number. Yeah, 74%. It was around 80% of whites in 1963 thought that things were fair for black people even as they were legally being hung from trees this before the Civil Rights Act was even put into law, right? And so, so, so how does how does how does the war on poverty get started the following year then? If 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 the majority of white people believe that blacks are equal in economic stature, why one year later did Lyndon Johnson implement the war on poverty to try and lift black people up? Right? I mean it, the sixties were terrible. Is, but even in the sixties they were taking efforts to try and fix problems. I mean that's what the sixties were all about. I, th I think, yeah, and so, so LBJ signs the Civil Rights Bill and starts the War on Poverty in around 1964. And actually, it was going pretty good, man. Like, it, the, the, there were actual strides being really, really made. When we talk about the uh, freaking uh, black folks getting into college, like, the generation before me was a 60s generation. So, like, they were getting into college like crazy, Pell Grants, you name it, right? Administrations change and things begin to get rolled back. And so what happens is- Okay, wait, wait, wait. When, when, when did they get rolled back? What are we talking Around about? Around Nixon's time. All uh, right. Actually, uh, All right. yeah, so Nixon, um, in his impeccable morals, uh, decides that, uh, and we know this because of the Nixon tapes, uh, black movements for prosperity are a threat. The war on drugs actually begins under Nixon. One of his guys, uh, and I forget his name, he had a very complicated name, admitted that this was all to frame black folks as the criminals necessary. So war on drugs starts right after war on poverty. And these are the policies that we see increase the time spent for possession of drugs, illicit drugs and whatnot, you know what I'm saying? The prison industrial complex, as we know it, a lot of it gets blamed on Biden, but a lot of it expands. The ideology is set forth under Nixon, expanded under Reagan. And so we have this thing where America giveth and America taketh away. So these gains made in the war on poverty, which were working, ends up getting rolled back through other policies, through next uh, other generations of politicians. And so what we're asking for, and this is very, very key, because you asked for um, a key thing. Aren't these enough? Right? Please recognize oh, no. when, when, it's enough. when it's enough. Right, right, when right, enough? right, right. Right. So I want to it's say cool. something now because this is really important. And I, and I agree. Look, when is enough is a question that is an ambiguous. There's no there's no real answer because you can't put it's not a math equation. You can't come up with it based on a math equation because then then you always have the formula. Well, that's not enough. You always have the people who say that's too much. You always have. Right. So laying this stuff in the in the past is probably better, but you talk about the Gallup poll in 1963. There was another poll done in 2013. Do you know what that poll showed that most Americans, black, white, they did an equal sampling, said that uh, overall how 
uh, blacks about equality of job opportunities for blacks. Do you, do you know what the, that was? You know what the, Break it down, brother. It was the opposite. 68% of Americans says blacks have as good a chance as whites to get jobs for which they were qualified, while 31% disagree. So that was yeah. almost the reverse in mm-hmm. 2013. I'm not telling you it's perfect. I'm not telling you racism doesn't exist. I'm not doing any of that. But, but I have to get to the causation of all the things that are happening in the black community. I, I do. I have to get to it. And you brought Let's it up. It. Education. Right? Mm-hmm. We have allowed our schools, inner city, impoverished environments, disadvantaged economically environments. We've allowed yeah. those environments for teachers to get run by unions, which have become camps, basically, or, or places, job farms for adults not education centers for our kids. You have people in Democrat-controlled environments that are saying math is racist. Now they're using dog whistles everywhere. Math is, math is racist. Max, find it for me. This. The, yeah, it, math is racist. This is a real. This is a real. This is a real thing. This is a real thing. I'm going to finish my thought. This is a real thing. This is a real thing that happens. Where you use I'm sorry these, about that. That's, that's terrible. I've, I've never heard that before. Well, I didn't know math racist. could be racist. Math is very racist. Well, you start talking about those things and you're teaching those in disadvantaged environments, you are driving them further away from opportunity. You are taking away their ability mm. to get to a place where they have mm. enough life skills that they can get to and have a college education mm. that means something. They're graduating kids right now from school with a 0.3 GPA just saying, let's give you a high school diploma because you have a better opportunity, better better chance of actually getting a job if we graduate you from high school, but they don't have the skills, can't read a book that, that Dr. Seuss wrote. We have that serious is, problems in the, yeah. in the Democrat-controlled environments, and if we use that as a key, if we use that as a key of what is happening in Democrat-controlled environments, we talk about racial inequality and things that are happening, but that's happening in Democrat-controlled environments. That's why I left yeah. him. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, like I um, wait, wait, hold I on, Theo, that, real quick. One, one, yeah. one minute. But uh, while we let Theo think of his response, have to mention that this podcast is brought to you by Berna Technologies. The Berna HD. It is not a firearm. It is a self-defense device, a non-lethal device that will help protect you and your loved ones without having to go and escalate to lethal force. The Berna HD is trusted by 50,000 different consumers, police departments, security teams all around the country, has an effective range of 66 feet, whereas pepper spray and stun guns only have a range of 10 feet. You're going to want to make sure you go to www.berna.com. That's B-Y-R-N-A.com. And if you use promo code CONSERVATIVE10, you'll get an extra 10% off your order. Cannot be combined with any other discounts or offers. Again, go to www.berna.com. And make sure you use conservative 10 as the promo code to get an extra 10% off your order. So I want you to, to respond to Joe's, but I, I do want the answer to my question because the whole deal of reparations, reparations, there's a debtor, there's a debty, the debtor owes the debt, the debty is owed, and then there's the debt itself. We, I, right. I have a hard time understanding how we could possibly identify the debty since you yourself have, have explained that you are part European, what's the cutoff there, right? We, we cannot yes, choo- really decide who are the debtors because you're looking at a whole country, the majority of which can't trace their lineage back to slaveholders at all. And then we also can't identify the debt. I've asked you a couple times, when is it enough? What is the debt? What is the amount owed? And it's always this moving target. And right when we think we've hit the target, someone comes out and says, oh, actually that, that is enough, we need more. 
So if we can't identify the debtors, if we can't identify the debtees because people have mixed race and we can't identify the debt. Let him let him answer, Max. Let him answer. Yeah, yeah, you, you Let him answer. We, Go ahead. Because we, 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 we actually can identify the debtors. And Cornell University study uh, on this topic identified that if you were to adjust today, the wealth taken from enslaved Africans in America alone uh, would be around $57 trillion. I have a Ain't hard time understanding yeah, prison yeah. reform. The whole idea of yeah. prison reform is locking people up who really didn't deserve to be there. I cannot stand on that battle line I with you. you if you're talking about taking money from people who had nothing to do with slavery. You cannot punish someone for a crime they didn't commit. So you can say Dude, that you, you have the debtors in your mind. But no, it's fundamentally unjust. When I say we can't identify the debtor, it's not because no one has come up with a formula. It's fundamentally unjust to, to punish someone for a crime they didn't commit, which is why me and you probably agree on prison reform. We probably do. And I think the fundamental question you're asking, and I think is a pretty logical question. Why the heck should I pay for the sins of old dead white guys? The answer to that question is another question. Why should I? Why should I? And here's the problem with this, right? When does the problem get rectified for those who suffered the problem and are inheritance of the lack of the wealth? Because as wealth can be inherited, you know that if you studied poverty in any way, so can the lack thereof. But but that's a justification. So, Theo, that's no, 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 no. It's, it's, it's just a mathematical thing. There's only so much money in the world. And there's this problem that happens, right? And, and anybody who's ever been poor knows, man, you pay to be poor, okay? Money is like a pond. If you got a little puddle, it evaporate. If you got a reservoir, it'll collect, right? And so people are inheriting reservoirs and people are inheriting puddles. It's just enough to get you to the end of the in, end of the month, right? So as unfair as that is, what's more unfair is the people who got extracted from, and then, as you know, it didn't stop in 1865. We have another hundred years of Jim Crow. In fact, the last Jim Crow law fell in 1971. That was Swan, uh, Charlotte Mecklenburg versus Board of Education was the last Jim Crow. So the last time literal apartheid was on our books was literally 50 years ago. And we've been dealing with this stuff for the last two. So we've been out of this system a fraction of the time. And I mean, a fraction of the time as the time that explicit Jim Crow was on our books. So as unfair as those questions seem, what is to be done for the descendants of the enslaved? All right, so when, let, me, let me ask you a question. Uh, well, I'll, okay, I'll just say- ahead. finish finish that thought, finish that thought. So slavery ends 1865. Jim Crow for another century after that, right? So you get all this wealth accumulated as America was a Saudi Arabia of cotton. And then for another hundred years, you are locked out. You can't get like housing, like, you know what I'm saying? Like not legal housing, which is the problem, right? You, you, you got all of these subcontractors for black houses, but you don't get like, and like, like actual like backed, like HUD backed mortgages, right? So you can't accumulate wealth for up until 1964. Now get in the game, everything's fair. How does that work? How does that work? So as wealth can be inherited and the interest that accrues, the lack of wealth can be inherited. And it's unfair in the American ethic of, damn it, you earn everything that you get in this meritocracy country. But at the same time, nobody worked harder from the for, than the slave. And they were locked out of accumulating anything until like my mom was a teenager. So I need to figure this part out, right? So these are the questions that we, these are the conversations that we need to have. 
because we know that it sucks being poor regardless of your race, right? It sucks being poor in a country that is a capitalist society. And we're asking for help. I think one of the biggest problems with Black Lives Matter, and I'm just going to bring it here which because one? this was kind of asked earlier, but it links in. Which, which one? People, which, people, which problem? <laughs> right, right. I, 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 said one of the biggest, I said one of the biggest is that people hear this ghost word at the end of it. That is more. People hear more at the end of it. People well, hear, they hear that because anytime someone says all lives matter, they're accused of being racist. So when right, you hear right. when you say all well, lives matter and you're called a racist and that the only acceptable form is brown or black lives matter, it makes it makes other people feel a little uh, weary of that. Leary. I totally I totally get it. But if all houses matter, but yours is on fire, we got to talk about your house. Right. All houses do matter. Mine's on fire. Please talk about my house. Right. But we don't. And that doesn't mean that this is a cry for war. It is a cry for help. It's I think that's where we fundamentally disagree. Happened. You're talking and, about and, a house and, on fire, and I see down a line down the street of fire engines from the Department of Education, right? The Department of Commerce, all trying to put out the fire legitimately, right? We have all these programs through our country that have and, been and trying see, to put out the fire. On the legitimate, and we would disagree that but, they like, meant actually to put that fire out. I, I'm still trying to figure out how I'm a debtor. I'm still trying to figure out how I'm a debtor, and you mentioned Brown versus Board of Education. No, I'm, I, but not you, just in general, because there's other people okay. who do believe I'm a debtor. In this whole argument about reparations, I'm trying to figure out how I'm a debtor. You just mentioned Brown versus Topeka Board of Education as one of the court cases that shut down um, Jim Crow. Swan versus Charlotte Mecklenburg. Oh, so, it's sorry. Totally sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I thought you mentioned Topeka. What I was going to mention, yeah, I've yeah, never yeah. been to that area of the country. I've been, I probably mm -hmm. spent like three minutes in Topeka, right? When you identify Jim Crow laws as a reason why African-Americans are still owed money, you, it's probably harder for me to trace back my lineage to some of these Jim Crow laws than it would be to find some random um, person in my lineage who was a slave owner, right? It, 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 unless you're from the South, right? I'm, my family's Irish, came over, over across the ocean after slavery ended, right? I, it, I, I, I understand where you're coming from, but until you can articulate the debt the actual amount that's right. owed, you're always going to come into that. conflict. I already said that. Yeah, yeah. I, what's, I, I, the, what's, the dollar, what's the dollar amount? So, so like, I'll, I'll say it again. Uh, Cornell University study said it's around, if we adjust for today's uh, wages, $57 trillion. That's and a so, that, That's like me yeah, going yeah, right, to you right, and right, saying, right, you, right, you, right, right, you owe but, me a, but, a trillion dollars. <laughs> but, but I mean, you, you asked, they did the study. Um, what that's what I mean. Like, it's never enough. If they have, if you actually want reparations, you, you, you come out with a reasonable number. number. No, but it's not a real number. That that's magic number, that's, right? The only person who gives that number are, is someone who doesn't want to actually get paid, right? It's just, not a real number. Talking, we can argue about that, but I'll what say he's talking about is that there's a study that says that there's a number. I get it. I get it. But I yeah, want to yeah. I want to get away from the fact that we would talk about the ambiguity of this. You can't you can't answer a question with a statement. So I'm. And, and Theo, you, you've, you've tried to explain your position. I don't agree with your position, by the way, because I, cool. I, by, by, that, by that, I, I, I deserve reparations too, right? I and mean, that is, the slippery slope can never end. Everyone deserves justice. And, and that's, 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 I think, the fundamental thing that I, I don't want people to go away from here saying that 
you know, that, 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 that this is an intractable conversation because it is not. If you stand for justice in any way, I don't want white people getting hurt. I don't want black, brown folks. I don't want gay folks getting hurt. I don't want nobody getting hurt, right? And what all we're trying to draw attention to is that slavery and Jim Crow were effectively, on paper, affirmative action, whites-only programs for centuries. We okay. have to put that like... But, like, but, like, but, like, even, but even if you say that's right, even if you say that's right, go ahead. So, so, so what, what, what I'm saying is that the thing that we're talking about was race specific. The injury was race specific, but the repair can't be. I don't understand how that can go. So black people were mixed blooded back then. We're mixed blooded right now, right? All of this is to say that we want to have the conversation because as unfair as it seems to be, what's unfair to me is a whites only affirmative action program that just ended on paper in 1971. And that the people who are saying, hey, you race hustling handout asking for a person, why are you so lazy? I'm like, the people who built this country could not have been more hardworking because they had to work until they died, right? So it's a projection. And there's pain. Clearly, this is an emotional issue. And I don't want to trigger pain because pain makes sure that people can't hear you. We're inviting people to a conversation and asking you didn't control the race you were born as any more than I did. So just to judge you on the color of your skin is a crime that I cannot pay for. But, but most kids, Theo, do not wake up thinking about that's, that's a black kid, that's a Hispanic kid, that's a yellow right. kid, that's kids, a blue kids. Like, kids that's kids my don't even know. So, friend, so they, don't, they don't do that. They don't do that. The kids don't care. I didn't even know. When I was growing up, I didn't even know. I, they, they were white. I didn't. I and, I and when I looked at my dad, I was like, "What's up, Pop?" It was never a part of race. Right. It never bothered. The only time right. it bothered me is when my my dad lost a job because my mom would take him lunch. I didn't even start to realize what was happening until I got older. But then I got put in this indoctrination camp. Right. I, I mean, in right. school, and they were run by Democrats. They're run by right. Democrats, and so and so I look at all this stuff and I go, "All right, so our problem is." If we, we've built this classism and now we want to mm -hmm. put critical race theory in school and teach kids about mm -hmm. that. You're, if you're white, you're the devil. Look, I have a oh, serious no. problem, it's, but it's I'm happening. It's happening. Right, right. But, it's, it's out there. So let's talk about that really, really quickly. Right. Um, this whole white devil born guilty idea. Uh, if anybody's pressing that, and I'm not saying that there aren't people doing that, that's unhealthy. And it's destructive to what you really want. You can't I know you be think, out here like, oh, like, hold on, let, 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 let okay, me just okay. finish this. You can't say all white people are the devil because that's functionally not true. It's objectively not true. Race. That's the platform of BLM, bro. The, the, right, the, right, problem right. Is, so, the problem is that you also just cited a study I've never saying seen that, that white though. people... You also just say a study that said white people owe black people $57 trillion, right? How evil does does a group of people have to be to have created that much debt, right? I mean, that that's an evil that we've never seen in the world, to be that evil, to owe someone that much. So I understand what you, that you're not calling white people the devil, but from our perspective, when we hear the talk about reparations and we hear the talk about we are owed $57 trillion if we actually want to crunch the number, 
numbers, that might as, it might as well be the same that's thing. Because that is it's such an astronomical, that, yeah, right. It's impossible. Right. It's not a possible number. It's impossible. Right, right. But, but so let's talk about that because there is an emotional impact when you study the brutal history of racism in America, right? And it shuts people off, man. It hurts black people to figure, like, like I just want you to freaking try to picture, right? Like, you see a 1870s photo, uh, it's a 1850s photo of an African-American, and you're like, yo, that might be an actual ancestor of mine, right? Can you imagine what this is like on our end, right? Just, I I'd can. like to people- I can. Right, 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 right. So, so, so what, so we're inviting people to a conversation that is a hard one. Right. But I it also, so but Theo, it also right. builds on victimology. It builds on victimology and it builds on living in the past and using that for an excuse of why you're not successful today. And that's my problem. That's, I had to go through and, and I had to experience massive failure in my life in a lot of ways yeah. that was yeah. tied to things based on race, religion, all sorts of things. Mm -hmm. right? right. I had to watch my family go through it, but I'm not a victim. And I look at it and go, I was, it's, neither am I. God, God has, God says this. I never told you it'd be easy. I never told you it'd be fair. Now we're trying to create a system of fairness. Well, nobody said right. life was going to be fair, right? Nobody said right. life is going to be fair. Got you. But America said it's fair in its documents. We are endowed no, with inalienable no. rights. Among these are life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, right? So if there are obstructions to the pursuit of happiness in America, it is fundamentally un-American and I want you to say, I just want to answer the victimology thing, right? Because victimology flies directly in the face of the American myth of meritocracy. Everything you get here, you earned it by the sweat of your brow, you went and did this. But the fact is, is that slavery is not a victimless crime. Neither is Jim Crow. Neither is anything that has to do with mass incarceration or vaccine injury. But, that, but, my, problem, but my problem is, is it's please, people please, that, yeah. Please, 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 please. So... The cognitive dissonance comes up when people have to face the fact that there are real victims, like real stuff happened and people really got hurt. If I committed a robbery last year, right, or the year before that, or the year before that, or the year before that, it was still a robbery. It doesn't matter how no, but long there's a statute of limitations. There is a statute of limitations. That we've artificially and created as people, yes. But, no, but there's but, a statute but, of limitations for debt as well, right? You're, you're talking about, I know you don't identify with the Democrat Party, so I don't want to put words in your mouth. But just to talk right. about the general argument about reparations largely comes mm. from Democrats. Democrats also largely support the death tax, the idea that no one should be able to pass on wealth to whoever comes after them, the next generation. They should go to the government and it should go to the people. So all the, we've had a death tax for a long time. Right. Yeah. How, how do we have a, de a death tax where the Democrats say you should not pass on any wealth? It should all go back to the country and then turn around and say, oh, well, look, in 1850, you had a great, 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 great grandpa who had five acres of land. That, that's your problem now. You, you, you own that. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here. like, Wait a minute. If I die tomorrow, my kids don't even get what I what I leave behind because I have to give it to the government under the death tax. So how do we square that circle? Because I know it's not, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but it seems like it's coming at us from all this. The statute of limitations, the longest statute of limitations in the United States for debt, to have debt collected is 15 years. And you're talking 1850s. I know it's not a literal debt, 
But if you're going to talk about, and a lot of people do, talk about literal money entering bank accounts, there are cities and states that are going to try this. Literal money entering people's bank accounts. If you're going to treat it like a debt, let's treat it like a debt. You can't just have people paying a debt that they never accrued. Right? I mean, it, it's it's not real. And and I, I appreciate that you were citing that figure. I don't want to get stuck on it. But anyone who tells me that the debt owed to African-Americans is $57 trillion doesn't actually want the debt to be repaid because it cannot physically be repaid. I know that you're just setting a study, but there are a lot of people who took that and said, yeah, you owe us $57 trillion. That's not going to happen, right? It's never going to happen. So anyone who actually pushes that doesn't truly want reparations. If the number's 1,000, say 1,000. You don't have to say now, but I'm just saying generally, tell us the number. Because as long as it's, oh, we want half of Oklahoma, which isn't what you said, but it's extrapolating it to the Native American version, right? We want half of Oklahoma. We're not going to give African-Americans half of a state. We're not going to uproot everyone. And that's where you start seeing what's happening in South Africa, where white farmers are being driven off of their land by, by Africans, black people who believe they, owe, they have a better claim to it. And what are you seeing in South Africa? The entire agricultural economy is collapsing because it turns out when you kick all of the farmers off their land and you have people just take it over, they don't know how to farm. Right. We, we, our, our, our country, our society would collapse if we actually gave yeah. into the kind of reparations that you and other people are talking about. And I understand the need for this. I understand that that there's a feeling of being owed, but the debt cannot be so great that it literally destroys the world. We are the breadbasket of the world. You're talking about debt that would destroy the American economy. You're talking about if apocalyptic if debt. Okay. Yeah. I mean, dude, yeah. dude, dude, dude. Uh, you said a lot there, and you know, I I, I walk into this knowing that this would be an emotional topic. Um, but I think that we don't expect fifty-seven trillion, dude. Uh, anybody who understands money knows that's basically more than all the money. Like, like that's that's an astronomical figure. Um, the transatlantic slave trade in the and it's not math. It's not mathematically. It's not mathematically created. That study, by the way, that wasn't a mathematical yeah. equation. That was a pulling it out of the. All chart. right, well, cool. Yeah. Uh, that th 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 I'm th a math th guy. That was the last time I yeah. heard a, an actual figure. People ask for an actual figure. That's the study figure that I got. Here's what I think is interesting. Um, we're appealing to the better angels of the country and saying that. There have been attempts towards justice, and they've mostly been token and symbolic. Uh, and for example, in an affirmative action situation, I don't think it's fair for an unqualified black person to get a freaking job that a qualified white person would be denied. I think that there needs to be consideration for the qualified black person who can do that job. If you're in an Ivy League situation and your standards are this test score, damn it, meet the damn standard, right? So if there's a problem with that, if there's issues with that, um, I don't like getting graded on a curve. I hate it, always have. I feel that my capabilities and intelligence are high enough that I can jump that dang bar because I'm smart enough and strong enough to do it, right? So, but these penny ante symbolic hey, look at the window dressing of the black guy that works here, right? I've been that black guy. It's, it, it is short-lived, and what it does is it looks like effort that it isn't. But what we're saying is that, hey, America, this is what you said that you were on paper, a 
a Christian nation who believes in these certain values. Um, I am going to link for you the case for reparations by Ta-Nehisi Coates. It is a thorough and long read, yeah, but he quotes scripture. Yeah. Right. So right there, Deuteronomy 15, 12 to 15, besides the crime, which consists of violating the law and varying from the right rule of reason, whereby a man so far becomes to generate and declares himself. Uh, I'm sorry. This is the bottom of that. But on the top of it. Ah, yes, 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 yes. And if thy brother, a Hebrew man or a Hebrew woman be sold unto thee and serve thee six years, then in the seventh year thou shalt let him go free from thee. And when thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock and out of thy floor and out of thy winepress, out of thy where the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, Thou shalt give unto him, and thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt, and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore, I command thee these things. Now, that's the Deuteronomy 15, 12 to 15, well, right? De De Deuteronomy also, says, Deuteronomy also says women can't wear pants. Let's not base yeah, reparations that's crazy, on Deuteronomy. Right? Right? But, <laughs> but, but Christian nation, y'all evangelicals out there, y'all work that out. All right? I'm just saying. We have these standards. That it also says an eye for an eye. By the way, if you mess with my family, I'll, I'll definitely, I'll, I'll, I'll give somebody that eye for the eye. But and ain't but, we glad black folks didn't play that game, right? Yeah. So, but, so, but, 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 so but this, we, but this racial tension that's been created has every day created an environment where the rhetoric, the indoctrination, the things are being put out there by the Democrats. Mm -hmm. It's dangerous. It's irresponsible. And it's created mass amounts. Uh, we just saw it. We just saw it today. We just saw a, a, a guy that walked up to uh, a Asian guy and punched him in the face. Said, "You brought coronavirus up uh, out here," and got off. That's terrible. You have another one That's where terrible. you have another one where a fourteen-year-old white terrible. girl, white girl, just got stabbed to death riding a skateboard from one parent to the other. That just happened, right? Yeah, man. And I mean, in North Dakota. Because we're creating an environment where we're justifying things by what happened in the past. We, we, are literally, we are literally destroying our society and we are allowing them to create this environment that's not true. It's not that it didn't happen in the past. It's not that it didn't happen. But what I'm saying is if we live back there, we will never get here. We will never see that opportunity in the future because everything will become an obstacle. Everything in our life will become an obstacle and it will always come down to, and it has, it has. It started on race and it's ending on race. Every time someone disagrees with someone on the left, they're like racist, homophobe. Yeah. And I'm a, I'm a victim yeah. of it. You know how many times I've said it about me? And then they're like, oh my and gosh. I, oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have said that. And that's why Joe and Max, we have differences of opinion on certain things. Yeah. I'm not going to abuse you with that term. That don't yeah. make sense to me. That doesn't help me. Right. Feel me? That doesn't make it something that you want to have the conversation about. So I'm not, I approach people as if their hearts are like children. I want to play with you because you're my friend. You're my chocolate right. friend. You're my vanilla friend. We're all friends, right? The past. Can we just say human friend? Past, can we just say human friend? We're all my, human, human friends. I'm talking about how yeah. kids talk about it, right? Yeah. Um, my friend. And what I'm saying to you is this. The hand of the past writes the present. If the habits of the past do not get broken, they become your present. And then those habits become your future. When we talk about things from the past, it's not to just say, hey, I'm going to hold you there. I'm going to live there. It's like driving forward, looking at the rearview mirror. The issue is 
that the things that made the car are affecting the car right now. Past is prologue in many ways. So the hand of the past writes the present and the things that you do in the present affect the future. What I think is being missed is that this talk is inviting America to an incredible redemption story that people are just missing. They're just missing this redemption story that could be this freaking rocky rise from the ashes. Doesn't it feel heavy knowing that this energy is out there, that maybe Theo Wills can talk like an intelligent human being about this, but the next black guy, uh, he might be kind of more upset and less articulate, right? That is a weight. And we're asking an invitation to a chance to change the American future by facing the past. But the problem is the American right future, the American future that the, that the left wants is one that terrorizes those in America. It terrorizes those in America. Theo, hold on a second. You can't, you can't, you can't say it's not when it's based on communism and Marxism. And by, by the way, communism has killed more people in the last hundred years than any other system of government. And when you talk about yeah. communism and, and, and socialism, those things have never worked in the 14 countries that's been implemented. Matter of fact, that has killed more people. And it has brought yeah. the complacency that we see today where anything goes, it gets us away from our moral and ethical fibers of this nation. Because and if it didn't, if that wasn't true, then why is there so much homelessness? Why are there Narcon stations and, and heroin stations on every corner? Why is there a degradation happening in our public school systems where it's more important to teach about gender fluidity and recruit kids to be gay in second and third grade? This is truth. I'm not lying. It's true. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I, I, I don't think well, you know about that, brother. But, and and critical but, race theory right and next. some of the and cri and some of the other things that we're right. actually seeing inside of our education system that wouldn't exist. We would teach people fundamental things like English and science and math and history and however inconvenient history may be. Yeah. However inconvenient history may be, if we teach kids about if we teach kids about history. Right. Then we, we won't repeat it, but we're revising history. We're taking down statues and we're becoming offended by everything that happens in our society. We've, we've created triggers everywhere, everywhere. We have brought ourselves down to lowest common denominator and we are becoming a weak nation as a result of that. And while other countries teach about what happened in the past and then strengthen the fortitude of people, black, white, green, yellow, purple, while they do that, we apologize and go backwards and try to become this meek. No, we're not going to do anything. We want everybody to be good. Kumbaya. Let's, let's accept people where they are. Let's teach them that they can decide to be a boy and a girl mm. when they get older. We have created mm. a society of demons in ourselves mm. because we don't concentrate. In my opinion, we don't concentrate on what brings us together. We concentrate on what divides us. And we use, yeah. we use political party to do it. And it drives me nuts. Right. Because the Democrats have a you just said it. They have a platform. And even though your friend, even though your friend did not vaccinate his kids, he went against you, even knowing that he knew truth. He couldn't stand for truth. He couldn't stand for what he knew was true. And that that, my friend, is the is why I look at everything that happens within the Democrat Party. And I'm like, they're 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 compromised. They don't care about the people and they want to enslave those people. That's. Yeah, Theo, I, I have one final bit. We're running out of time. I uh, just I see you, you, brother. You brought up you brought up Deuteronomy. You brought up the mm -hmm. idea of redemption. You brought up the idea of evangelicals need to figure it out. Well, in Matthew's gospel, he reported the, the Jesus saying the Lord's Prayer, where Jesus said, We forgive our debts as we forgive our debtors. So it is mm -hmm. very 
it, it, it rings hollow on a religious crowd to to quote the Bible and to say the Bible somehow supports all these reparations. That that's the first bit. The second bit is it also this is this is very conflicting because a couple times you said imagine 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 how it feels. Not maybe you don't understand that pretty much every immigrant class into this country has experienced very bad times. Nothing near the African American experience. I want to get that off right off the bat. Nothing compares to slavery. But the Irish were treated like dog shit. They were. They were treated uh, like that. dog shit. They they were they tried to apply for jobs and they said Irish need not apply. The Italians were treated like crap. We don't we don't take any guineas here working. These are real parts of different experiences. Every immigrant group can show a point in their experience, their collective experience, where they were treated like crap and probably would deserve reparations. So mm. I understand that in, in the terms of reparations, it's the, the people who have benefited from blood money and the people who have been abused and used to build the country. And, and it's unfair. I would just encourage you to think of non-black people, not as a monolith, but as other ethnic groups who have not identical, but who also have very painful histories. Like I can trace my lineage back to Irish slavery in Barbados. Like there are Maguires who were brought to Barbados for the express purpose of breeding with African slaves because they would create lighter skinned African slaves and they would be more expensive, right? So that obviously that never happened to me. And those are very distant relatives from before my family came over here. But the experience right. is not as monolithic as the reparations crowd often paints it. So that's the only thing I'd encourage you is, is to look at it as, as as not as simple as there is the owed and the debtors, right? It, it is much more complex. And if we are going to go down this road where people who have been harmed by governmental policies are owed funny money, crazy amounts of money, I want to know where I line up. Because I'm part Native American and I'm Irish. So I feel like I should be right behind the line with you. I like what you said, brother. Um, we're not a monolith. In fact, we're a very diverse humanity. If we never even have a commission to study it, which, were, which was denied in Congress uh, multiple times, like H.R. 40 isn't even about paying reparations. It's can we form a commission to study it, which happened before the white slave owners were paid reparations for loss of property, right? The thing about debt is that um, you got to make sure, right, for, for, for forgive us our debtors as we forgive those, you got to make sure you don't accrue more debt. Uh, there's forgiveness and then there's repentance, right? Well, that's a different those statement. Are, that, that's, there's very right, different between saying I, brother, I, brother, I, am, I should be blamed and to say I'm accruing new okay, debt. Let that him is suggesting that we're all racist, right? That's a very different statement. I didn't say that, brother. Um, yeah. I call you brother because we are inseparable. Like this is an inseparable situation, right? This is an invitation to look squarely at this situation, right? The problem with it is that there are new debts created, brother. It's not just the fact that like if, and trust me, nobody wanted to leave this behind more than black people because it hurt us. The, when I said at the beginning of the podcast, it's the black people who have the microphone that be messing y'all up. Because I'm going to tell you right now, when my great-grandfather left Black Wall Street, he, he, he they got out of there before it burned. He wouldn't talk about it. He wouldn't talk about it. 
A lot of black folks from the civil rights movement don't even discuss it. They move their kids out to the suburbs and say, have the life I could never have. I'm from the ghetto. I got out. Thank goodness for these freaking college programs that let black folks into college for the first generation. I want black folks wanted to leave this behind. I want that to be clear. The, the people on the mic who said, no, black folks, listen. But at the same time, like if there's instances where we're seeing people who kill black folks who are wearing badges, which, by the way, misrepresent those badges, not getting justice, like not literally standing trial, then we can't have the ability to move on if you keep picking the scab. You got to stop picking the scab. Let the scab what? heal. If they didn't, hold us, listen. If it ended, if it ended in 1865, trust and believe. Black folks didn't want to pursue justice because we didn't really think we could get it like that. Okay, like we really didn't think we could do it. Like, like, like a, a lot of black people just would prefer a peaceful existence. Most of us actually would. But when the habit is not changed and the slavery keeps evolving, right? It goes from chains to now Jim Crow to now mass incarceration, right? But wait a minute, Theo. It We're all enslaved because the, the right, demon right, right, here right. is the government yeah. because they keep taking That's more slavery, from us. Right. We're true, all true, enslaved. True, true. We're all sharecroppers. It doesn't matter what color you are. The government has become right. so powerful that it treats us as if we're children. And it beats us and abuses us and oppresses us equally based on a, a ideology. I think, that, I think that you're correct in that. There are certainly different degrees of slavery, but debt slavery is a form of slavery. And we are mostly in that. Most Americans can't afford a $400 emergency. Thank so you. to me, this sounds like a vested interest in us getting together to figure it out because the facts are that poor white folks and poor black folks have been falsely pitted against one another. Falsely pitted against one another. They have been put since the time of Bacon's Rebellion an effort has been made to recruit the podunk white guy who don't got nothing into thinking that, well, at least I'm white and better than them. Should have been our allies from the beginning. Should have been inviting us into their unions. Should have been able to sit down at the table without us, uh, without being afraid that his daughter was going to like the black kid, right? But poor white people, though they did not own slaves, were invested in the idea of whiteness so that we can have a conversation. And that has cost them that has cost them, and we want you to see that. In black history, you find a repository of patterns that figure that can help you out in resisting the kind of oppression that we've had to deal with. You can repurpose these tools. We want to be a part of you. We've always wanted that. If you look at historically, black people actually don't be wanting revenge for the most part. Yeah, you get some extreme cases. All right, I ain't gonna say that they don't exist. But for the most part, mathematically, if we wanted to exact revenge, a lot more of us would have done it. We wanted to live in peaceful. We created Martin Luther King. And Martin Luther King had the buy-in from the black community to mostly go non-violent. We shall overcome. Most of us, right? And we still want to overcome. All of these conversations are saying, you know what does unite us? Our history. Ugly as it is. So, Our so, history so does why did, us. why did Minneapolis burn last week? Because police shot a murder suspect who was shooting back at them. Why did Minneapolis, if, if we want to be I peaceful. I, I didn't see yeah, that. Like, yeah. I, no, I, there, was, there was riots, there was dumpster fires. Like, Amtifa. I mean, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, right. I, I buy that. I get that all, right? But there seems like in the black community, and I don't want to make it a monolith, but when, I, when we see these protests, it's not a bunch of white guys out doing this stuff. 
when police no, it is like a bunch of white guys. Like, uh, they, they, they had like, they had a nice they had a nice mix. It was it was a mix. It was, it was a kumbaya yeah, protecting like, the criminals. So, so you mentioned so, so, you mentioned so, that you mentioned the the idea of cops killing black people, and I, I, I you absolutely. mentioned it briefly. I assume, I assume that's one of the crimes you believe are being continue to be committed. Did you know well, here's that a cop a cop is 18 and a half more times more likely to be shot by a black person than a black person is to be shot by a cop when he's unarmed? Did you know that? The, 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 those numbers actually don't bear out. Um, and I've, no? I've heard that before, but, but when, no, they, they actually don't. It's actually quite the opposite. Uh, so there were 40 cops that got killed last year, and it's about mm-hmm. 40 cops per No, just year. shot, not, not shot and killed, just shot. Yeah, yeah, but I mean, but, 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 but even still, um, when you talk about injuries on the job, when you talk about who gets killed the most, like, first of all, policing we've, isn't even in the top ten deadliest professions. We've, see, we've seen African-Americans right, but, but, walk up to cop cars and execute them point blank range. Until you show that. me a that. video of a cop that. doing that yeah. to an African-American, shooting him right on the street in the back of the head. Until you show me that, I, I don't think it's that fair to discount what's going on there. We've got about 10 times more videos with something like that happening. I invite you to look at the video of Walter Scott. Of uh, I mean, I've, there's I've it, 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 it goes on and on. So what, what we're saying is that uh, the, the most deadly gun a cop will face is the one holstered to his hip. Cops kill themselves at three times the rate as they're killed in the line of duty, which is a sad thing. There's a mental health crisis in policing, and I care. I want mentally healthy cops on the street. I also feel that uh, so cops kill about a thousand Americans every single year. And of those numbers, about 40% of those are black, a good, probably about 50% of them are white. Right. And so I understand so the that majority of them, majority of them are more, armed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, armed. Yeah, yeah. Well, important most, clarification. Okay. So, uh, I've actually heard opposite. I've heard that more of the white guys who get killed by the cops are armed. And so we, we have to figure out this sourcing. Mine is the Department that's not of true. Justice and FBI. That's not true. So that's what uh, I'm the getting vast majority, The vast majority of African-Americans killed by police are either armed or in the act of committing violence against, against a police officer or someone else. Or a like, third person. Like there's a, there's, yeah, there was an African-American but, who got shot. He was driving a car trying to run someone over. That's not unarmed, and, right? He's still trying to and kill that someone. Is, and, and, and every single time the video comes out, we see a different story than what was reported. It's very difficult to say because I have yet to see a video that matched what the police report officially was when they reported it to the DOJ. And so this is a very difficult thing because the data gathering mechanism that we're supposed to draw these narratives from is flawed time and time again. But what we're saying to you is that healthy cops are a good thing for everybody. Mentally healthy cops, people who are from the communities that they're policing is where we need to go not defunding, but recruiting from the areas that they're policing because of what? Relationship, 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 relationship. And I know that you have, I, you and I have disagreed on a lot of things, but I'm still invested in a relationship with you. I'm invested in you, Joe, as a person. I'm invested in you, Max, as a person. I'm invested in the people who are listening to me and the sound of my voice as a person because these are the people that are inextricably connected with us. And we're inviting you to a difficult conversation, but we're saying it's worth having. You know why? Because America's worth saving. The best patriot I ever knew, my granddaddy, Tuskegee Airmen, 
among the first black men to fly. He was a patriot to the core. You know why? Not because he was in denial of the darker parts of America, but because he saw them and loved America anyway. He didn't like George W. Bush. I, 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 I remember my, my grandpa had to go see George W. Bush. He didn't like George W. Bush. Shook his hand anyway. I was like, Grandpa, you know, you were the toughest guy I know. Why do you still want to be in association? Like, like, why did you go when they call you? He was like, man, when they play that anthem, that's my anthem, right? My All right, so then how, loved- can you, how can you reconcile that with what the Democrats, Antifa, and BLM are trying to do, right? And don't, you can't tell me black lives matter because black lives always matter to me. But so does everybody's life. But I'd say Black Lives Matter, right? But the organization is designed to break down the constructs. And you're a father and you're a good father and you're a husband and you're a good husband, right? So how can you how can you reconcile what the left is trying to do to destroy America? They even say it. They say they want to destroy America and not speak up against it and go. And they're pushing a black national anthem. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, they're really playing it before NFL games. The, the the black national anthem has existed for like a hundred years and like they play it like they, they, they've been playing it for a long time like i i go like it's called lift every voice not and sing. before sporting we, games i mean but but in hockey they play this. the canadian national black anthem and they matter, play the american the organization, national anthem. black lives matter the organization is at an all-time low in support in the black community did you know that well, that's yeah the, because that's they're the buying like houses houses yeah, right, dude, dude. So, so black lives matter the organization is in trouble within the black community for that. When you push anything that looks like what could be the destruction of the black family, you're gonna get pushed back. Black men specifically are leading that charge right now. Cause like black men are trying to, you know, in the nineties, it was a thing. Black guys aren't there for the kids. This decade, we're trying to reverse all that because we are the boys, not me personally, but we are the boys who didn't have their daddies. So there's now this reverse push in the black community to be there for their kids. Anything that stands that in the way on, of that gets questioned and gets challenged. But the What's anti-nuclear up? family was on the Black Lives Matter website for months. That's and the only reason it got taken them. down. Look, but the only reason it got taken down was because Fox News covered it, right? Yeah. and then, so but, that, that, but, It's not like we've always thought this. No, 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 no. no. That got you're taken right, down because right, they right, got right, caught. Right, right. <laughs> so... So, so that Fox News segment got pushed around by three very prominent leaders in the black community over black social media. And the black community brought heat on their behinds because of that as well. So they was getting heat from both sides. So I want you to know that the organization Black Lives Matter is different than the sentiment and hashtag Black Lives Matter. Okay, so denounce Black Lives Matter, the organization. I want to hear you say it. I, I don't denounce, denounce them as an organization. I denounce certain people in that organization. What have but they done? The tenets of the organization is Marxism and communism. On? Come on now. Marxism and communism. Courage is more infectious than fear. I don't play with that either. <laughs> I denounce all, all that. All that. Okay, you I just denounce BLM because that's what they stand for. It's The tenet what of I it is for Marxism and, and communism. The organization Black Lives Matter? Yeah. I know a couple of them like locally here and we're cool on a personal level, but I'm not in it for a reason. Okay. I'm not in it for a very real reason. Um, but what I will say this, let's call wrong. Don't wrong. mistake the organization. For, what's up? Don't call. Okay, don't, the, let's the, call wrong. Wrong. They're wrong. The organization is, is corrupted. I don't get down with any organization <laughs> that don't get down with the black family. Period. 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 That's wrong. To, to stand against the black family is wrong. So then Planned Parenthood is, is wrong. 
Oh, I don't mess with them, bro. I don't mess with <laughs> okay. them. See, I told you guys that we were closer than you know on things. And <laughs> this is, these, are, these are the things that, that we, we forget. We forget. You're right. a dad. You're a dad. And Listen. You're... I, I, I have look, a proposal. I have a proposal. Let's have Planned Parenthood pay the reparations. I think I'm get all down for that. that. Oh, I get down for that. that. Let's do that. We know. We know Margaret Sanger, bro. All too yeah. We, 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 we look. Look, my sister showed me my offer twenty one. I was like, oh no, right? So, um, Nas, the rapper said, uh, uh, hood rats don't abortion your womb. We need more warriors soon sent from the star, sun, and the moon. So we got anti-abortion messages even in rap music, right? Because we ain't trying to do that. So what we're saying is that. We see the genocide. We see what's going on. What we want most importantly is to have, we want to see this common ground, man. And most people in my circles don't think that they could find it in conservatives. When I talk to Joe, listen, me and Joe hung out. Listen, second amendment, I understand it. I think that like any black man who don't understand the need to protect themselves, you ain't living in the same world I am. Right. And gun so control we, we, is based on racism. We we listen. I wish you could yeah, see my echo chamber, yeah. bro, because we <laughs> we've been we've been passing those down. Like, man, look, we understand that, right? Uh, shout out to my partners at 1770 Armory, uh, the first black-owned gun club in Denver, Colorado. You know what I'm saying? 1770 Army, uh, Addicts Clothing, based on the Christmas Addicts. Hey, the first just so you know, the 1770 uh, Gun Club. Uh, I tried to reach out to him. Really? So I said, yeah, yeah. I'll make sure to connect with you. The 86 I'll, man. I'll I'm like, sure I own the largest gun store and uh, range in the state of Colorado. I sell more guns than I'll anybody sure. else. I'll make sure that they, 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 they connect with yeah. you. That's what I'm saying. Those who have warrior spirits have more in common than yeah. people think. All right? And that's what I want to leave here. We, we got more in common, but we're asking for a, a conversation to make America actually an amalgam to actually face all of this, all of the things that are bad, all of the things that are good. I want to refer, because I was making this point about my grandfather, right? Theobald, whose name I bear, was a patriot because he, the idea of America made him tear up. You understand what I'm saying? When he fought Nazism, when he fought fascism, he did it for the idea of freedom. And he didn't run from the dark side of America because guess what? He was too dark to run from it. That was a jet black man in the 40s. He couldn't do nothing but be himself, right? And he still said, this is the greatest country on earth. And he said that to the day that he died, not in denial of America's past because he was a living relic of it, but for the fight for the future. So when I look at this and what we got in common, I honor his legacy by saying, let's figure this out together. Because y'all got warrior spirits on the conservative side. I'm a warrior spirit, and I like that about you. Me and Joe, we get along because we like that about each other. Now, let's have a real conversation. And I know that this has to extend. I know that we're running out of time. I've stayed on here longer than I anticipated. But we want you to know that we in the black community, for real, care about medical freedom. Most importantly, the thing that brought me and Joe together was that the people who have been forced to do things with a body don't want no needle force in our arm. Yeah. And when it came to finding allies for that fight, I came to conservative side because even Democrats that I knew wouldn't stand up for what they felt too. 
And that's what led me lead the Democratic Party. Some of the talking points from the Republicans started to make sense when I was honest about it. Intellectual yeah. honesty is one of the principles and the tenets that I try to live by. I know that we all got biases, but I try to. And that's why I'm on this podcast talking to you and talking to Max and talking to everybody in the sound of my voice. Because these are important dialogues to have, and we got more in common than you probably understand. So I don't want to rehash it, but just, just sum it up. You talk about coming together, talk about finding common ground. Is it possible to come together to find common ground and zero reparations be paid? Because I, I like not that. Not long term. Not oh, long term. That, that's going to be the problem. Not long term. Yeah. And, that's going to be a problem. And, and, and so, yeah, it's going to be a problem, but I think I'm, it's I'm happy to, I'm, I'm happy. To I'm happy to, to go out and hang out with you. But if you tell me there's a cover charge, I'm going to stay home. <laughs> That's what's up. That might oh, be really? me stay home too, bro. Yeah. Look, 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 <laughs> look, I, but, but still you're strong enough to have that talk. You, you, and, and, and you proved it today. And by the way, that's not going to be conditioned for me wanting to kick it with you, brother. That's not going to be conditioned. Mm -hmm. I'm saying that for the long term, it might be an issue. I, it will be an issue. But for right now, you're still somebody on the interpersonal level, even with all of that aside on the interpersonal level, we still have more to come. And, and, and right now, we got a big fish to fry with these vaccines. And that's what brought us yeah. together. And medical freedom is something that we need to talk about. Well, that is definitely a common ground. I think we found some common ground. I think we're still yeah. far apart, but we found mm -hmm. some common ground today. Uh, so I want to thank you. We, we went over, but I think it was a good spirited conversation. I want to thank you for being here. It was a great conversation. Um, Absolutely. I want to thank you for being here. And uh, yeah, just thank you so much for, for stopping by. How, how can people reach out to you? How can people follow you on social media? Listen, man, um, I'm at theowilson.net. You know, um, if you guys want to uh, reach out to me, I'm at Theo E.J. Wilson. That's E.J. Wilson on Facebook. Uh, reach out if you got any questions for me right there. And um, yeah, I just like, you know what I'm saying? Though we disagree, keep it respectful. I keep it respectful with you. Yeah. And let's talk. All right. Well, thank you so much for stopping by, Theo. Really do appreciate it. Thank you. Thank so you, much. Theo. Much I'll call you after this. All right, cool. So, so the that went over, but it was fun. It, it did go over and it was fun. And, and I want to I wanna talk about really quickly, because I know that we've went over quite a bit. This discussion has to happen. And one of the things that amazes me about Theo is he'll listen, he'll go back and he'll, he'll, he will, he is conflicted. And I'm a t I, told, I told him, you, you have to be conflicted. You have to be at that place where you have one argument over here, you recognize another argument over here, and you have to reconcile them. And he's a smart guy. So he's reconciling things. That's why he walked away from the Democrat Party. And there are some things that he said that I, I cannot agree with. And I brought those up. I asked him, will you denounce BLM as your organization? And I almost got him there. <laughs> but but we, 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 we got to have a conversation with the narrative in the middle of the narrative while then asking questions against the narrative. That's a powerful conversation to have. You can say whatever you want, yeah. but that is a powerful conversation to have. It is. I do think, and, and I, he admitted it towards the end. I do think it's a little disingenuous to to say we want we want we want to all come together and also even insinuate that there's a fifty seven trillion dollar bill associated with coming together. If we if we want to come together, if we want to be the United States, if we want to put racism and everything aside, I'm all for that, right? But I, I made the joke. I, I'll go out. I'll go out for drinks with you, but I'm not paying a cover charge. It's true. 
Like, if if you want to be an ally, if you want to fight for the things that we agree with, agree with, fine. But if the entire time we're working together, there's this belief that that I owe you or someone else owes you money. It's uh, it, it's hard to build a lasting relationship on one person believing that a debt is owed and the other person having no idea what they're talking about. Um, so that it's a complex subject. It's not going to get dealt with today. We talked with him for over an hour and a half and still didn't get really explained how people who never owned slaves suddenly owe money to people who never were slaves. But that'll have to be a conversation for another day. We are out of time. Any quick last words, Joe, before we end? No, just just understand that if you're if, if we don't have a conversation and we don't understand what the narrative is, then we can't get to the root of why that narrative is wrong. We just hear the sound bites that the media puts out. That's all we hear. So my thing is, is if we can get back to a place where we don't just hear sound bites, we actually have the discussion, we're much likely to get to a better conclusion. Yeah, that is true. And Kenny W on DLive just posted a GIF of a small child riding a Roomba out of the room. That is how we are going to leave the show today. If you like the podcast, make sure you subscribe to the audio version available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Podbean. Very, very important. We have advertisers for the show. Make sure you check out um, Air Medicare Network. Make sure you check out Burna HD. Links are in the description. If you haven't already, do make sure you sign up for the audio version of the podcast. That's how we prove the numbers to the advertisers, and we really do appreciate it. Check out all the links in the description. We will be back tomorrow with another show. Again, my name is Max McGuire. And this is Joe Altman. Thank you to Theo for stopping by. Remember, everyone, that the fight to take back our country isn't over, but the only way we win is if we all stand up and fight together. <laughs>